I brought my book here. Good life, good dad. And there's a nice little cute guy on there, which happens to be me while something like 60 years ago. <laughs> so I did uh, present it quite well about the dying process in this book. Though a huge amount of them gone under the editor's scissors. So you get a very short one. Actually, a huge amount has gone under the editor's scissor. So the death is something that will, it's a very strange subject. People don't talk about it. And especially in the society, people don't want to talk about it. And they do want to know. They're very curious. And they probably say, well, tell me quickly, without, well, nobody's looking here, around here, sort of thing. But we all would like to know. That's because we all have to go through. There is no question. No one can escape a death. Nobody had ever been before. Spiritually, to the developed person like Buddha, Jesus, or all of those. The great names that we can count today, say it and repeat and count, and those who have come um, thousand years, two thousand years, so all of them are not here. We are talking about two thousand six hundred years ago, or or 2004, year, three years ago, or all this, it really tells us they're not there, it's gone. And that is ultimately, spiritually, there's no better person than, uh, and then Buddha or Jesus. I mean, we can never be, never can hope to be better than that. And there has never been before, there never will be. And they are the best ones. And they're all gone. They went to the subject of death. So spiritually hoping, though we will hear the stories of the great Mahasiddhas living for you know, 300 years, 500 years, and all of those we hear, and uh, to a certain extent, there's a truth in that great uh, cities. And they do live for years, and um, even today, in the Himalayas, and there you can see some of these great masters are sitting living, and uh, they have their uh, disciples and they sometimes contact them and uh, then they have to they go up in the, the mountains and uh, suddenly they appeared from here or there and uh, so there's no place where they're living there's no address where we can go and uh, with the sort of approximately we can get idea of where the mountain is and uh, so you drive through and up there and they suddenly pops up if they want to. It happens in India even today. Something like a 200 years old sadhu or things like that. And I do have a friend in Delhi and who had a teacher who was 200 some odd years old and somehow he'd been able to send him message and say come and see me on such and such and date. Maybe he see them like once or twice a year at most and then the guy drives up and uh, then, then there's a wait around there, maybe a day, maybe two, maybe sometimes three days, just waiting there and suddenly he pops up. Sometimes he's at one time, he just arrived there and ten minutes after he pops up too. So sometimes three days you wait. So this sort of thing happens. And they are very unusual and unique cases. And um, even those 200 years old ones, some, sometime then they will go. So it's not forever. Although we, although we call it cityhood of immortality, but uh, our physical body is such 
That's a big manufactural defect. We must complain to the General Motors about that. And so that's why, that's why, you know, the basic, the bones and flesh and our nerve system is just not sustainable. And uh, plus, like, you know, people like me who have abused the body, you know, as much as possible, make it as big as possible, as fat as possible, and as much as, you know, so, so cannot hope to be, to be not even a half of whatever it is. This is a manufacturing defect, and um, I think it's a totally general model's fault. And but, uh, but the fault is there, so we have to take it with us, and uh, so we all go through with this. Even Buddha, you know, I mean, such a great person like Buddha at just 81 years old. Just 81 years old. So if someone thinks the Buddha is still living, I think the person is crazy. We know some guy who's actually was quite good Tibetan Buddhist teacher and uh, quite well-known and become a quite a sort of a celibate. Celibacy, thank you. <laughs> Celibacy. But uh, and then uh, I think slowly he gone quite off now, or whatever had happened. So the guy wrote a book and so said, well, I Buddha still living and I saw it. And uh, he's, uh, he's six foot 11 inches or something tall. And uh, he had his bald head and had a beard. And uh, the, the book introduction was uh, written by a friend of mine called Professor Robert Perman. So you all know, Perman is quite well known in the Tibetan Buddhist field. Uh, perhaps the best American scholar valuable on that. And he wrote the introduction, and by the time he wrote the introduction before, because the guy told him what he's writing about it. So by the time when he saw this, he, he said, I met, I saw Buddha, and he's living, and he withdrew his introduction from the press. <laughs> the books in the press, he has to withdraw his introduction, even though. Buddha don't die, but uh, you can't say he's uh, still alive and living, and you know, uh, maybe, maybe I don't know, six foot tall, maybe, maybe ten foot tall, you know, whatever. So it doesn't work that way. So the Buddha also passed away and uh, even cremated, and um, and the parts of the body has been divided, and after cremation, build a stupa, and all that sort of thing happened. And so, as far as Jesus is concerned, we all know now. You know, we will say this is 2003. Where does that 2003 come from? So, we all know. Spiritually, the biggest hope was spiritual hope. And out of that, we cannot escape. Then, military power. Or scientific power. Yes, we can say we can... We can embalm them, or what do they do? Embalm them, or freeze them, or whatever they do. Something they do, and uh, whenever we develop the cure of that disease, we'll wake the person up, and uh, we'll hope to be functioning. And that's not proven yet. Neither scientifically, nor spiritually, nor actually not have happened yet. And even if this happens, there's a no guarantee that this person is the same old person. Uh, you may wake up some monster. You never know. You may, and I will not deny, you know, I'm a very strange fellow. I will not deny somebody will wake up, and they will wake up. But my biggest suspicions will be that will not be the same person who died. Because we have uh, so many imposters, 
so many people who pretend to be that one. That is the spirit I'm talking about. I'm not talking about actual human being, some crazy human being, a friend of, not a friend, a lady I know, and we used to, she even worked in Jolhat for a while, and she's a Tibetan Buddhist nun. And, um, and uh, she claims to be a friend of mine, a Rinpoche who died last year, or oh, now it's two years ago. So she claims to be the same one. So that is the, I'm not talking about that claiming, but I'm talking about it. There are really uh, spirits, tremendous amount of uh, spirit with each and every human being. You know, there are really many spirits along with, who identify with our name and our deeds. Each and every one of us has this. The reason why? Because uh, I don't know and I came here and when I came first visit and not, not much in the United States but in Malaysia and Singapore and in that area now, there are so many people who come into towns and uh, try to talk to you and uh, all of those, there's uh, many of them. And then there are people who said, I did see this, I did see that, I talked this, they said this, they said this. And the many are true, absolutely true. And the many of them, the only that person could have known is also revealed by those. It's very true. And one of my last teachers, who have been in the United, not, my name, not last teacher, but one of those top, I have like three, four, you know, teachers. And um, one of the last one is still alive. So I did ask him personally, I said, how does that work? And he sort of big, little surprised and little annoyed. I asked the question, he said, thank you, no. I said, I couldn't figure out, because I know that the person is not there, that for sure. But they can really reveal everything, and that these persons who are whatever fortune tellers or psychics or whoever they may be, and they're not lying. So what is it? So he sort of told me, these are the language developers. What are you talking about? How come you don't think about that? This is a language developers. So Lingi means that there are simultaneous born spirits. Simultaneous born spirit and each human being have 326 spirits with us, minimum. And they all identify with our name, our individual name. And they don't have a new name. They, have, they identify with us and they sort of go with us as spirit. They don't, we don't see them. They are our shadows. They go out. So whatever you, whatever you do, everything you do, they knew. They exactly know they're there. And they think they're doing it also to a certain extent. So when they reveal the individual person died, they can come up and say, oh, this thing happened, that thing happened. Yes, yes, yes. And then they, are you Gaelic? They say, yes, I'm Gaelic because they identify themselves as a label, you know. Gaelic, John, Mary, or whatever. Whatever, you know, Victor. All of them are just a label. And whoever puts a label on whom, doesn't matter. Right? And then for a newborn baby, we can give any name we want to. You know, under the, under the sky, we can call them sun, moon, prince, princess, whatever. Or evil, devil, cat, kitten, whatever. You call. As a matter of fact, I have a, a brother who called all his children. I was shocked. You know, all he had kids and he... And one of them called a kitten, one of them called a puppy. And the, what the hell in the human being is they calling their kids like that? And he said, no, all his kids are dying. So it's a superstitious back in Tibet. My brother, my second brother, who lives in Tibet today, you know, all his kids are called kitten and, and puppy and, and red and, you know, red, just red. You know, and all that type of thing, you know, names. And I said, what the hell do you think you're doing? What do you do there? He said, well, I got a number of kids died and there's some curse. And so, so he said, to break that curse, 
and I called all my kids with these names, and they all survived. It's just superstitious. So you can call any name you want. You can call a kitten, or you can call the uh, puppy, whatever you call it, or princess, or whatever, because it's a label. The label has nothing to do with the individual person, right? You can call me Mary, but though I won't be a woman, <laughs> but so what? So it doesn't matter. Maybe I shouldn't say that. The publishers always want to change my name because, uh, you know, it's my name is Ngawang Gaelic. So you can see here. Yeah, Ngawang Gaelic. So they always want to change the name because, you know, they told me, you got the three unknown names right in front of the book. Three unknown long names right in front of the book. They always have complaints. And so they always wanted to change. And sometimes I don't blame them because, you know, my name, but this one that has N-A-W-A-N-G, it's very easy. Normally it's with N-G-A-W-A-N-G. So, you know, when people started chasing my credit card bills, and they called me, they said, they said, can I see you I said, I said, this is Naga Gaelic. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. What do you say? Because they go Naga, 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 NG. You know, they can't say. I said, fine, go call. Whatever you call, doesn't matter to me. So the name is just a label. It's nothing. So people pick up. The spirit, particularly when they needed to pick up, they associated themselves with a certain individuals. And they pick up their name. They pick up their deeds and everything. They identify with their name because they call themselves the same name. So these are the spirits that talks to the, the psychics. Because most of the individuals are not a spirit. So after 49 days of death, they may not be around. But these spirits are there. 300 and some odd spirits are there, always, always there. They last much longer than we do. Our life is limited. It's not, not so much more than 100 years, very limited. These spirits, they live 300 years or something. So they will remain with the same name, same title and the uh, same identification for a while. So I just wanted to throw that out because you know this our world is such today. And um, and uh, in a one way, you know, we have uh, so much uh, scientific this thing, that thing, and on the other hand, we're also very much into this mystical mystery part of it. And we'll be very interested to know who's living, who's dying, what it is, where it's gone or not gone and all of those. So, and particularly when someone talks to me personally, I lost my friend or something like that, and I couldn't say it's gone or not gone or all that, because the feelings of the individuals are so important. I don't want to hurt them, so I don't say it. But in lectures like this, I have to say it because otherwise you have no idea. If I don't, I'll be failure for my duty. So these are the spirits they'll talk to you. I mean, they knew whatever you've been hiding something somewhere under, you know, I, I don't know, some safe box on the railway station or something. But that, uh, that spirit will know. They will tell you where it is, you know. But they cannot go and get it because they're spirit. 49 days is because uh, when you die, the next... According to the Tibetan tradition, there's a place called Pardo, intermediate state. If you did not find next immediate rebirth, this is totally talking from the background of reincarnation, okay? So when you could not find immediate rebirth, so there is a sort of waiting room. And in that waiting room, the life for that is seven days. So every seven days, you have small death. And at the end of 49th day, then is a big death. No longer in the waiting room. By this time, you have to find something. Otherwise, they will accommodate you somewhere else. That's why 49th day is a very, very 
important and very significant. So every week is considered very important. There's a weekly service. And uh, I mean, the traditional Tibetan culture, the pujas and the services are done throughout 49 days. And particularly, every seventh day, there's a more particular service for the benefit of a departing four. So the Y49 is significant because of seven times seven, and that is supposed to be the last chance. So that's why it's considered more important and more significant than anything else. And um, it is so funny, you know, in the Tibetan culture, we don't have that much. But in the Bhutanese culture, you know, the Bhutan, the Himalayan kingdom, Bhutan, in the Bhutanese culture, for all these 49 days, they serve all food. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, afternoon tea, evening snack, whatever. They serve all the time. When the king of Bhutan died, His Holiness the Dalai Lama sponsored one day meal for him. And, uh, and that's a shocking for me to see. You know? They serve all these elaborate meals, one after the another, near the body, you know, they take away. And uh, the queens, with the plural, comes in and started lighting the cigarette, and uh, then putting the cigarette there. That, dying, that king who died used to smoke, chain smoker. So these queens comes in and lit the cigarette, and they put the cigarette there too. <laughs> That's the Buddhist culture, not Tibetan culture, but they do that. So the 49 is important because that within that they have to find where they're going to be. So let's come back a little bit. I mean, there's no question. Whoever we may be, each and every one of us in this room will go through with this. There will not a single one of us who skip that. We may, we may skip. I cannot say that. We may skip, but we will die. We may skip the death, but we will die. So because we must transit from one body to the another. Because this body is a manufacturer defect. Cannot go. The wheelbarrows will break, the pumps will break, the engine will break, and the pistons will go. And I'm sure you deal with car, right? And so all of them will break and the radiator will burst, and all of those happen. So it's not be able to function. So now I have mentioned good dead. Whatever could survive out of the editors is, a, is a here. And the um, majority is gone, because maybe I'm seeing a lot of blah blahs, or maybe it is too complicated. So anyway, if you look in this, and I uh, do talk about the preparation of dying, and I do also have and a good death. And all of those are here. So the question is, what is good death? And what is bad death? That is question. And um, that is death. We're going, I mean, let me talk about what is death. That's a, that's a number one question. What is death? We all know, we say, yeah, when you die, we die. That's just that. But what does that mean? For many of you, you may think that is end of everything. You may think that. But for me, it's not end of everything at all. For me, it is closing a chapter and a beginning of a new chapter for me. That's what it is. Yes. We separate. So for me, the death is a separation. Separation from what do we call it? A life. You know, what happens, what the difference will be. What the difference will be after death. We will not be able to see you as we see today. We will not be able to communicate to each other as we do today. Even if at all we do communicate, it will be through the media of a psychic or through the media of some clairvoyant person 
or one of those because there's no direct communication will not be there, no matter whatever. It won't be there. So it's a separation. The separation of what we call it this life is ended from here. This identification of this body and, uh, and uh, this terrible or beautiful sound, whatever you have, your voice, and how uh, good or beautiful or ugly, whatever look you have, and all of them are separated. And uh, the next day, it's a different. Though you may immediately not know, but, uh, but from the other side of the person, they will not, they will know very clearly. You may not know because it is reported by the earlier spiritually developed person that the spirit is, the mind is running around, the soul is continuously running around, and they try to talk to their friends. And, that, and you say, hey, hey, I'm here, what are you doing? I'm here, why are you crying? I'm here, I'm here. No matter how much you scream and shout, they will not hear you, they will not see you. And particularly at the time of the dinner, and when the family sit down, well, now that's America, we don't have that anyway. But if you do, and when your family sit down and sit down together, and, and you, know, you will also try to sit there, and somebody try to occupy your chairs, or even you get some empty plates to be able to sit, and they want to pour your dinner. They want to give you, and they want to even talk to you. And uh, then you think, what did I do wrong? And they have a tremendous amount of sadness. And all of those sadnesses can kill them again. So that's why in this uh, pardo level, the life is such a fragile, and a little strong emotion can kill them. So such a sadness is taken care of too. So, so from some of them, they don't even know they're dead. So there, there are rituals, there are practices, what do we call it, the introduction of death. And um, if you read those, and they will tell, tell you, hey, you are functioning different than your everyday functioning. If you notice, the moment you think some area, and you reach there without any traveling, you will also see no shadow of your body, and you will see no footprint of yours, and they will talk to this spirit like this, body or the soul, you talk that way. And I've been trained to do that, I do that. So, 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 so that means we are telling this individual that you're gone, you died. Because they may not know, many of them don't know they died. Those who know, they know, but the many don't. So for them, there's a tremendous even sadness in the, all of those. So that is separation. Separation. So there's a good death and a bad death, for sure. It's slightly different than what we normally talk about, good and bad death. If we talk about it, if people died in accident, like what had happened in 9-11, yeah, 9-11, and uh, we, we would tell them a terrible death. It is, you know, I mean, can you, can you imagine people jumping out of the window and burning them and all of those? I'm a terrible death, no doubt about it, from our point of view. And uh, to a certain extent, from their point of view, also it was a terrible death. And every death is a tragic death, no doubt about it. But this is a very sort of thing. And then, mind you, people who are dying in Iraq today, not, not only those Iraqi soldiers, but even the American sort of really, truly the kid of the teenage, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 of that. Sort of really countlessly, every day there is a person. Every morning I make a I have uh, my alarm set up on uh, 6 in the morning on that uh, NPR. For a while, it says, good morning, this is 6 o'clock, one person died, 
One American got killed in Iraq today. Or, or two others been wounded or killed at the side, or something like that, every day. And they are attacking that, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But on the other hand, there are also people who died in bed, with the, in the reasonable, comfortable, good hospital. Bed with all sorts of tragedy too. All sorts of, uh, you know, funny, funny things. Hallucination may be, but a horrifying hallucination is also. Deepak Chopra told me once, if you look at in the hospital, he said, I actually forgot the number, and because I was shocked, somewhere very high, 68% or even maybe 78% or something, they would, they would die, they would die with a stagger. That's what he told me. With a stagger, they stagger something, not comfortably, beautifully dying. So they have a tremendous stagger, you know, and that those are the hallucination staggers. And a very good friend of mine, a great lama, head lama of Ladakh, who himself passed away last Tuesday in India. And um, so once, you know, he had, <laughs> uh, is a great, great, great being, no doubt about it. And he's also a politician. And he's a member of parliament and the Indian ambassador to Mongolia for 20 years or something. You know, <laughs> some, some, un, some funny things. So, so he has a benefactor who happens to be a smuggler. And the smuggler in Nepal. And uh, the guy sort of become close to him. And in my personal opinion, he's not uh, devoted to him. He tried to get close to him because he's a politician, so he'll be able to save his neck when he's smuggling. So I think that's the reason, you know, honestly. That's my thought, but it is my thought. I have no proof. And uh, you know, this guy is a terrible smuggler. And uh, he sells these images out of the temple to a collectors before the image is taken out. And then they make arrangements and get it. And the one, one time, that's why I think he's really playing trick here, is uh, once he sold an old Nepalese temples image to a British collector, and he promised them delivered to Hong Kong. So he was trying to steal that. He could never steal it. He couldn't manage. So what he did, he invited Karmaba, the big Lama, Karmaba, that time. So he invited Karmaba to Nepal. He spent a lot of money in the Karmaba Avenue. He carried Karmaba up and down in the car, and then he let Karmaba go in the plane, took the same car back, and in the meanwhile, he had the people to smuggle the image. And the image is much rooted than what he expected, and there's a huge metal thing going down. He couldn't get it. He got an electrical saw and cut them out, cut the feet out, you know. So the people to be capable of doing that, sort of, you know. So that's why I never thought he's really devoted to Pagulamiji. <laughs> anyway, by the time when he was dying in Delhi, he was lying in the hospital. You know what the Tibetans do when people die, they bring Buddha images. That's because to remember Buddha. If you're Buddhist, you die by remembering Buddha, you will not take Lord Buddha at all. You will come back and leave as a human being. So that was sort of a Buddha's way of uh, saving your soul or something. So that's what it is. So, but people do that. And then so his family brought image. And you know, in his hallucination, that Buddha image is jumping from the, from the cupboard or wherever, some sort of thing there, and uh, getting over him, and he couldn't breathe. And then after that, he saw that all this image that he has stolen, 
is jumping out of those walls and uh, he couldn't breathe. He was choking to death. So the Bhagula Rinpoche immediately sent me uh, 50 rupees and uh, with a note and saying, so and so is dying, would you please pray for him? So I wrote him back and saying, this is too heavy for $50. <laughs> that was a joke between, you know. But, but the reality is also to a certain extent is the case. So that does happen to people. And to some people, you know, some people who've been like a, so much involved in like a Hitler or these sort of people, I'm quite sure even before they died, they definitely had a terrifying, terrifying hallucination. In this case, it might not even be hallucination, terrifying visions, and they begin to get experience of torture, even when before you even departed from your body. So these are the bad deaths, and we don't expect to experience that for whatsoever. None of us has done any of those type of negativity things at all. Basically, we all had been good human beings, kind, compassionate, caring, and loving people. So we do expect to have good death. We do expect to have good death, but things can go wrong. Don't take granted. It's not, I cannot guarantee you like uh, the men's warehouse advertisement, you know. I guarantee you, you, you'll come back or something. You know? So I cannot guarantee you, but you'll probably come back. <laughs> so normal procedure, normal good death, uh, what happens is there are certain system of dying. It is a universal system. It is the separation of the body and the mind. It has a procedures. I have talked quite, actually I have talked very detailed and it's all gone. There is a quite a reasonably good procedure there. So what happened is when the body and the mind is separated and we as an individual inside the body we live in will witness certain signs certain signs. These are nothing mystery, nothing mystical. It is a normal, usual process. Because the process is, you know, separation of the mind and the body, which has been together throughout our lives, is not so easy. Even we live together, you know, 20 years together, when we have separated, how hard it is. I forget about 20 years. And, uh, you know, people live together a couple of years, and when you're separated, how hard it is, you all know. We all know. It's not so simple. And here, you live with your life, whole life together, you're born together. Mind you, the body and the mind born together. So the mind may be older, the body may be younger, but you're born together. Born together and living together throughout the life when you have to separate, that's not easy. To some people, it takes a lot of hard time. To some people, it's a little bit easier, but it's not easy. When the separation takes place, the mind and the body, when you separate it, and then you have to think what is the body is made out of. Now, our body is nothing other than five elements. That would be four, four elements. That is the earth element, and the water element, fire element, and air element. Our balls and the flies and all of those are earth element. Liquid in our body are water element. And digestive powers are fire element. Circulation and movement are air element. That's it. Nothing more. 
nothing left. That's what we are made out of. You may think gene. The gene, the physical gene is earth element. Continuation of the earth element coming from the parents to us and we give it to children and the grandchildren and so on. That journey can be this way. Then we have a mind traveling like this, endlessly running around everywhere. They join together. And we call it life. That consciousness found base to be able to function. We call that. That's what I say, separation. So these five elements are when you sit together a long time, and after that there is a process. The process number one, number one is the earth element will sign off. Sign off here means become unserviceable. No longer contact with the consciousness. No longer contact with you, the connection between our soul or the individual and our earth elements been cut out. Sometimes even in our life it happens, particularly a lot of those diabetic people lose their fingers and toenails, and we've seen them, right? And some people sometimes happens, cut their limbs off, and that is disconnected. That's the connection between the particular part of the body and the individual is broken. Now, when the earth element is signing off, not any a particular part of it, but the total part of body is breaking. And that is not easy. There is internal signs, external signs. Internally, the individual who's going through will begin to see a tremendous amount of mirage and the waterage type of thing. So what happened is uh, when this earth element is signing off, the signing off and then the connection with ourselves and our element will be more heavier on the water because earth is gone. So we will see a lot of water or mirage. Mirage, you know this, when you dive in the, the desert or something, look like water. So we will see that a lot. And these are the signal, the signal given to us Hey, your earth elements are going. They're saying goodbye. Now I'm the water. I'm here to say goodbye to you. Then the water element will give up. You know, actually, these are the true facts it happens with people. I was hoping we'll be able to really prove it to a certain level. These are just physical level, and uh, with the certain people who be able to talk to, I was having great hope Allen Ginsberg will be able to do that, but Allen has a stroke, so he's just completely out at that time, so couldn't confirm it. Because a person like Allen confirms, it will be make a huge difference to the American society, but unfortunately it didn't work out. But the number of other people who have constantly told me that, you know, loved ones or that their parents or their grandparents are complaining about the water, the water under bed, water in the room. And there's a water, they said, remove those water, please clean that water. And there's no water for whatsoever. There's no water for whatsoever, but the people do complain that. And uh, so, so, so that is really a true fact. It's happened to the individual. Okay, that's a clear indication. If you know this, if you have that knowledge, even you just go to today, or you read in this book or something, if it really happening to you by that time, you begin to think, oh, maybe that I'm going through with this, that maybe this. And you will say, don't remove, don't clean this water up. You say, is it my hallucination or is there really water? It will make a big difference to the individual.
even after the water, then this fire element takes over. And so the sign of a fire is nothing but a smoke. Smoke. And the people complaining about the smoke. There's a smoke in here. And the people will see as though you're in terrible bar where guys smoking cigar down there somewhere, you know. So in the hair room. <laughs> so sort of, you know, smoky. The rooms are filled with the smoke and all of those. They will see. Well, I was talking with this in California. One of the guy, his name is Kurt Templer. And he got up and he said, I begin to understand what had happened. His father is one of those well-known industrialists, rich guy. So he said, he said, when my father was dying, so he was complaining that a lot of smoke in the room. And he said, all these doctors lined up. His grandfather was dying. And so all these doctors lined up, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. He said, said oh, yes, sir, but nobody did anything. So he's a little kid, and he asked the doctors, you know, your grandfather is complaining about the smoke. You didn't do anything. And one of the doctors took him out. This we call hallucinations. So we call them as hallucinations. He said, I could never understand till today. Caught up in that. Let's say he said that. So I know him as a cult later, not before. After that, I know him. So that happens with people. These are the reality. And after smoke, then fire spark. Fire spark. Fire spark here means example giving is. It's like a room like this. We turn off all the lights. It'll be totally dark, right? So if somebody come in with a handful of burning cigarette, not one cigarette, but a handful of burning, like a 30, 40, 50, throw in the air, then you're going to see the sparks everywhere, right? And that vision will see it. That vision will see it. That is the air that moves the spark, chip, 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 you know, going everywhere. So these are the, what we call it, growth signs. Growth signs. Then there are the subtle signs, four of them. And one of them is very whitish feeling. It looks like white. Reflection of a moon or something. Followed by red. Reflection of the sun rising or going down or shining. That reddish with yellowish thing. Followed by darkness. This is totally, totally dark. And that is actual death. Totally dark. And thereafter, you will begin to see light. Begin to see light. It is not really sunshine type of light. It is like clear moon on clean, clear day, especially when there are no dust, nothing in the air. Crispy, cold. That's my picture. Always the Tibet's cold. Up in the Himalayas, crispy, cold. Crispy, not as cold as bad, but crispy, beautiful light. That is what we call it, clear light. Ordinary clear light. And it is the beginning of reprocessing, process of what these elements are going in, and then it will be reversed. It is a reversing time, because at the end here is you have light before the dark. From the light it went to dark. So now from the dark going to the light, and all of you went this way, 
will be reversed. And uh, according to the Buddha, that is the beginning of your future. So these are the process. I little I know. But what can you do? If I know the process, what should I do? What should I do is I should do when I'm going through with this. I should be prepared. Prepared at least to think a positive, to think a love, to think a compassion, to be a kind. Don't think of I forgot to give this and take this and you but people will not think giving but taking they will think more. And I forgot I couldn't take revenge of this and that. And don't think those. This will harm you. But kindness, compassion, love, faith, God, Buddha, any one of those positive thoughts you can go through and it helps you. But the most important thing is helping to ourselves when we can by ourselves. That is good death depends on good life. Life what we have today, it is a tremendous important life. It really is. The capacity of this life, what it can do for us is beyond anybody's imagination. So what we should do in our lifetime is to be a good person, to be a kind, compassionate, and a caring, not oriented, hatred oriented, not obsession oriented, whatever. But even you trying to do good, you're going to find that you're angry, you get upset, and you get all this. That, don't worry about it. That's because we are human beings, that will happen. If that doesn't happen, we may not be human beings. We may be supernatural beings. We're not. These things are going to happen. You find that you're going to be upset. Don't think I lost. But think, yeah, I found my own problem, and I will make sure that doesn't repeat. Do it 5,000 times, doesn't matter. Important is to recognize, don't let it control you. Make sure you control yourself. Be a nice person, be a kind person. Dalai Lama calls universal compassion. And take a universal responsibility. Have a universal compassion. Don't let your mind overpower by hatred, jealousy, anger, obsession, and stupid ego. The stupid ego. So we'll be improved day by day, week by week, month by month. That's how we can have a good life that will follow good day. Good luck.